Hi, ho, listeners. This is Jonathan Mate. <laughs> this is Melissa. <laughs> and, and this apparently is apparently I live. I'm, I'm doing this podcast with Mr. Wilson. <laughs> I did not know. I, I thought you were going to say Howdy Doody. Um, nobody's. I'm not even old enough to remember what that is. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the Unboxing Story Podcast, where we talk about the meaning behind our favorite movies, games, and books, and and whatnot. Uh, today is games. Uh, another game-centric episode because uh, Detroit Become Human came out. It's another David David Cage John, where um, John is thing in Philadelphia. In case you don't, guys don't know, um, <laughs> uh, so he did a bunch of. Uh, he's kind of like the granddaddy of um, including more RPG, uh, more high-profile RPG games that um, are like AAA titles that get a lot of attention. Uh, Heavy Rain came out somewhere in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and it was kind of like a cultural thing for gamers, you know, to see this thing where, like, part of the challenge is cooking your kid's TV dinner in the right way by clicking, excuse me, by clicking X, you know, a couple times. Uh, but as we've been talking about um, Detroit Become Human and, and uh, other RPGs, uh, I was kind of breaking it down into... A couple different types of things because uh, Melissa, you said that you played um, Lord of the Rings Online, and I I had played different MMOs that are pretty much just like you get different quests from people and you go to try to do that thing. You can also have in MMOs you can have um, people that join you, um, but it seems recently we've done we've ventured from that into like uh, what they call visual novels where there's a lot of these that are like dating games oh, online yeah. where like the the depending on what it is you get married or you sleep with the person depending on which choices you make um, and uh, or you get like really high class artsy fartsy ones like um, it's, it's, I think it's Letters to Esther or something Um I, I mentioned that for any fans of, of that game. I'm sorry. But uh, uh, but kind of the point is that is that you're going to this isolated cabin and you're learning about something that happened in the past. So it's very much not like... I guess the only lose condition is that you don't find, find everything and you don't, you know... Um, there's, no, there's literally... You're just learning about this thing. You're having this gameplay experience and it's not... Um, it, there's no win or lose condition. There's no, you know, end lose screen where Gladys laughs at you because <laughs> you didn't find the cake. Um, and then uh, I I saw a lot of um, there was a big uh, uptick in um, horror RPGs because what well, I didn't remember the Slenderman is a big one because you're not fighting Slenderman. The whole thing is that there are eight notes hidden throughout the forest. And you have to go find them, um, and you can't really fight. You, like I said, you can't fight Slenderman. You just have to find the notes. And if you find all eight notes, then he goes away. I guess you you win. Um, but uh, Amnesia: Dark Descent was a big thing a couple of years ago that um, you couldn't fight the monsters in this. That you well, first you wake up in this weird dungeon thing. And you don't know how you got there, and there are these creatures that are in uh, all over the place, 
and you're trying to figure out what the mystery is, but you the horror kind of comes from the fact that unlike other games, there's not really like uh, a weapon that you can use to fend them off. It's just let's not go down that corridor because I hear noises over there. I'm gonna go over here and learn more about you know whatever mad scientist trapped me down here. And so some of these I know from having watched people do playthroughs of um, the, to name a few Amnesia, uh, L.A. Noir, that's more of like a mystery game, um, and Fables, Wolf Among Us. That was kind of like a cross between the two because you do have action uh, quick time events where you're mashing a button and performing certain certain tasks at a certain time. Um, and <clears throat> you make certain decisions um, by like doing interrogations where you pick certain dialogue boxes um, and it's like depending on what you pick you get a different outcome um, so t- tell everybody about Oxenfree because that seemed like it was an interesting game it was uh, and if anybody intends to play it just skip ahead because really telling you anything about the game will ruin it for you really um, it is kind of part mystery because you don't really know what's going on on this island that you're going to. Mm-hmm. And part of the game is discovering notes from who used to live there and discovering other parts of mm. what's going on. It is partly horror because there is things on the island that are trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't really understand what's going on. And it is it basically plays... I guess kind of more like one of those visual novels because all you get a choice of is what to say. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the rest of it kind of just plays out. Mm-hmm. Especially when it starts time looping. Mm-hmm. So the first time through, it's just straight through. And you, real- you start to realize what the mystery is and what things you can discover mm-hmm. and how to talk to these creatures that are on this island. But then you can play it again. And when you play it again, things change because now you have left messages for yourself. Right. Or the creatures know what you're doing, and so they start time-looping you within the game, which they didn't do the first time through. Like, it's all these things that are different mm-hmm. the more times you play it. Right. Um, but it was fascinating to see what those differences were and what you could learn and what options you had. Mm-hmm. Some of them were very silly, but some of them were very important. Um, I did eventually accomplish what I wanted to, mm-hmm. the main goal of what I wanted to in the game. Right. And I could probably play it again and accomplish a different goal now that I know what they are. But, um, but like you said, it's not really necessarily a win condition, I guess. I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Well, I, I think that's an interesting point to make that, like, in in one benefit of a uh, of an RPG in a game like that, that, um, has different like branches like you're opening up different possibilities and you're kind of deciding what you want to do that's something that you're not going to get in a traditional linear game where like they're telling you what you want and you know whether you win or lose they're deciding what that is defined as right so in an in an in a um some visual novels and some um rpgs you're basically deciding okay, I think that winning means I save this person's life, not this person. Um, and I think that's an interesting part of it that you don't get um, 
there's two things. One is nuance because you, you there might be some choices where you're finding like, oh, you know, I make this decision because I think it's the right thing, but there's more consequences for that decision. Like, uh, I, that's another big um, uh, RPG that I, I kind of forgot about. It's kind of an action RPG called, uh, it's a uh, Dos Ex. Um, and those games very much are based around the idea that you can do a stealthy type of like you know you can knock people out or something and it's make things harder on you but it's kind of like the paragon way of going about it it's the I'm making the right decision even though it's the more hard way to play this game versus just blowing people away and the game might reward you for those things but it's also showing that you're not the best person ever. <laughs> um, so I haven't actually, um, I haven't actually played that. Um, but uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting part, and that, that I think that's also in Fallout, which is another big uh, RPG series where you get uh, the morality of different choices, and um, I think. I think Fallout and, and Mass Effect both kind of work that way where they have kind of like a couple of different endings and rather than uh, which we're about to get into with um, a Detroit Become Human it seems like there are different ways that you can quote unquote fail and then it just switches to a different character and then you get the rest of their story um rather than just do that there's like one main character and you get um different ways that it can end and it's basically like you know what what's difficult about that is like for example with mass effect 3 there was a big complaint because there was really only two ways for it to end and so there were a lot of people saying well my version of shepherd the main character um wouldn't have picked either of those things and i thought the whole this whole time that i was getting something that would branch off to maybe four or five different choices but what it actually turned out to be was kind of like a closed loop of there's a lot of sections in the middle where like say this person dies because you made this choice but what is actually very difficult to do and what they had chosen not to do was uh actually try to make it so that it branched out more like a pyramid where you got this choice because you made and there's things that are closed off and it actually puts you uh, out further on this thing it's more like there there's three starting places and it all comes back to these three you know very set versions of this character well i think it's it started out as two endings and then they added a third that was more of like a i guess a mix of the two or some uh middle ground i don't think it's i don't think it made them happy anyway but um it's. Uh, I think that there's um, that there's different types of um, challenges that you can have, and uh, different win conditions that you can get from a game that gives you multiple choices that you're not just gonna get from one where they they've planned out the story, they've kind of given you this is how you win, and then you come out at the other side with like. I've I've won or lost. Um, so the so the one the one debate that I wanted to have and um, 
it, it was, this is kind of in honor of uh, John Bain, Total Biscuit, who some gamers might know um, by, by that name, who um, he did a, a podcast called Co-Optional, and um, it was a big topic because of the different types of gamers that were represented. Uh, Dodger, uh, who's Brooke, <clears throat> Brooke Lay, uh, is a female gamer who did a lot of anime um, uh, visual novels. Um, Jesse Cox is a big, um, you know, he liked a lot of the, the resurgence of um, more story-based games, but then uh, Total Biscuit was much more of a strategic game player, and he coined the term, I don't know if he invented it, but he would always call them um, walking simulators. And uh, since he passed away on uh, in May 24th, very recently, um, I thought it would be good to um, talk about like that that delineation in games and whether what your opinion is in terms of do you think that um, what what do you when you go to play a game um, as as somebody that plays more um, RPGs you know with um, and tabletop things do you think that you're uh, losing something in terms of like because we were kind of mocking during playing Detroit Become Human where you're just sitting there washing dishes. Um, do you think that there's something that you get from these types of games that you're not going to get from another one? Do you think that there's drawbacks to um, playing this type of game versus something else that uh, is more linear? So, I prefer this type of game. Mm-hmm. I think the linear ones, especially the ones that focus more on combat, mm-hmm. you need to learn very well how to fight and I know that sounds really silly because all you're doing is pushing a bunch of buttons right but in my brain because I you you get I get to such a stress level when I'm trying to fight things uh-huh. on a computer um, that I I, I kind of lose it it's it's too much input coming in and I don't know what to push and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing that's uh-huh. the thing a lot of us I've, I've talked to other people that prefer this sort of story not quieter but less less confrontational less stressful kind of game we don't think we're doing it right Mm -hmm. and because there is this win condition because there is this supposed understanding of of, okay this is the type of person who's playing this game and they know exactly how to play this and they know how to fight things and they know what buttons to push that or especially something like Overwatch or other MMOs where you are with a team of people and they are counting on you to get certain things done within a certain amount of time in the best way possible there's so much pressure to put up the one. <laughs> it's like, I have five minutes, and I don't know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this wrong, and right. you just get mad. Right, and it's not, there's some, I would, there's, a, it's an interesting um, uh, moniker for um, this type of psychological thing that happens, because there's, like, rewarding and satisfying, is what I've heard, um, Told, like when you're playing Super Mario Brothers and you're seeing like uh, and this was an interesting thing about 80s games is that like something like Mega Man would show you okay this is what you have to do and so like say like in this side of the screen you see the um, the platforms appearing and disappearing 
you know, okay, in order to do this, I have to jump at the right time. Right, to get on the platform when it's there. Which is why, so even with the more stressful games, I will play it by myself Mm -hmm. and try it over and over again, but then I'll tend to get frustrated because Mm -hmm. I do have to try it 50 million times to actually get it right. Right. Or if I'm playing with people, I will not play online with strangers. Right. I will play with people I know who know me and who don't care if I mess it up. Right. <laughs> That's my rule for those games. Uh-huh. Whereas these games, RPGs, and, and especially this kind of thing where it's very cinematic and you get the emotional pull of your character, uh-huh. I think it's fascinating and I love it. Even the one where you're the chick doing the dishes. Now, some of that might be more specific to this story specifically mm-hmm. because you are playing an android that has been treating like a servant and you'd rather be doing other things. Uh-huh. But you've been told to do the dishes. Right. So that's what you're stuck doing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're supposed to feel like you're stuck doing that. Right. As opposed to going up and helping the girl like you want to. Right. But um, in other games, even things like... Well, that's another thing. So it, it, I'm very specific, apparently, <laughs> as to which ones I actually like. Uh-huh. Because most, most of the, I guess you're calling them action RPGs, stuff like Lord of the Rings Online and stuff... Mm-hmm. Yes, you have, okay, I get a quest and I go kill the monster, and I can try that a couple times till I get it right. Right. But then there's other things that you need to do. You know, the quest. stuff that they call grinding, right? Yeah. Where you're, you're trying to get enough gold or you're trying to get enough whatever, mm. and you just do the same exact thing over and over again, and that drives right. you nuts. Because as a human being, yes, you might have to go fish now and then oh. when you need fish. But nobody wants Apparently to do that. Apparently that's a big fa- Final Fantasy thing, is that there are enough of those little things that are satisfying within themselves that people will actually just go fish and cook the fish Well, I guess I, when, I played, when I played The Hobbit on Lord of the Rings, that I didn't mind. Oh, that actually fishing. made it cool. That was fun. Uh-huh. It was I, the, I did that with um, Spider-Man because it was fun to just swing around. Right. And you so there's, some, some, there's some times where they do. They make it fun. Yeah. And you don't mind going and doing those things. But sometimes, like you're saying, it's grindy. Right. It's like there's, there's like, guilds you're trying to get impressed with you uh-huh. and you just go and hunt boar for like three hours and you're <laughs> like I can't do this anymore yeah. but the fishing actually feels like you're hanging out quiet somewhere fishing which is nice that's mm-hmm. kind of what you want when you're fishing I don't know it's odd I guess different people like different bits right but I like I like this level of I don't know what we're calling this visual novel whatever mm-hmm. this is cinematic RPG well there's there's mystery elements where you're 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 given other, and it's an interesting way to talk about deduction because you're not told specifically by the game to right. investigate. Right, but, but you know you're there. As to you go around, you see that there are things highlighted by different light up Johns, so you can go and investigate, and it gives you more options later on when you're interrogating or during hostage situations. Right, um, and so, so that's the that's the more obvious one that's on here is that characters. Storyline is very detective y and very yeah. okay. I need to investigate the clues and that will open up options so, for me later. Let, let me use the so Detroit Become Human, uh, for those who don't know, is uh, a game based on the idea that there are these androids who are who are humanoid in nature. Um, they're not just like you know, uh, Rosie the robot from the Jetsons, they're very much like they look human, they have some kind of biology to them, they have blood, uh, that's blue. <laughs> Um, and so you're playing as three different characters. You have um, Jesse Williams, the actor, is, is mo-capped as um, I don't I don't know what his name is, but he's the cop? no the um, the the guy that works for the painter Marcus. Marcus. So Marcus is works for a painter, uh, and 
um, his thing is kind of that he, uh, that this painter guy really does treat him like a human and is trying to get him to explore his feelings. There's a scene where he asks him to paint and then he just replicates a statue and he says, no, you have to, you know, look inside yourself and see what you, you know, you have to comment on things and, you know, express yourself, not just replicate what you see. Um, you have Kara, who works for this jerk, uh, who's an abusive father, and so the tension there is whether you're going um, you to intervene, or, intervene not. or not. And then you have a cop who, at the beginning, is um, in this hostage negotiation situation, and then later on, a very we're not sure whether it's a similar model or the same person or what, it looks the same. Um, this android is investigating another murder, um, and so you have very much like interrogation tactics. So what's interesting to me is that um, because it's taking on this kind of like social justice type allegory, what what's strange is that the the say like in the in the situation of Kara, it's kind of suggesting that like you're sitting there washing dishes and because in real life you would rather not be washing dishes the fact that you're being made to do something is kind of suggesting like you know this is not a challenge this is torture yeah and so like what I think uh, uh, but even then like I think it was a really clever way yeah I mean yeah so that I think that's that's part of the the feeling you're supposed to get from uh-huh. but it was a clever way instead of making you do investigations like the other guy does like the cop uh-huh. does her doing chores led you to options that you could use later too. Right. You knew the layout of the house. You knew where the gun was hidden. You knew all this right. stuff that you would not have known if you hadn't gone around and did all the chores. Right. So I thought it was a clever way of putting in the, you know, here's a little tasks you have to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not like here's a little task you have to do so that you know where the gun is. Like that's not it wasn't that obvious. Right. But it was a clever way of putting that in there so that you now not only feel like, yes, I'm a servant to this horrible person who hates me, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Yeah. Now I know how to get out of the house if I have to. Right. And I think that the what's interesting is that um, you, you're not really sure in, in these situations because it does give you kind of two, um, like, you, you at some point in, the, in both of these stories, in Marcus's and in Kara's, you get the option to disobey what you're programmed to do and... <clears throat> In both situations, we won't tell you which ones we've chosen and what they do, um, so that you can play it yourself and find out. But I'll, I'll say that, like in the one situation, it seemed like a very good outcome when you disobeyed and and kind of owned this. Like, she's like, I see something wrong. Right, and I'm I want to do, do something about what it. I have to do. And in the other one, it seemed like it was a very good outcome. So it does seem like they're introducing the nuance, and I think that's. What, what makes it a little difficult to judge this early on in this kind of like because it seems like it, it's not you're not getting like a Call of Duty or something of like RPG uh, games yet uh, David Cage seems to be one of the only guys making these complex of a game based on that hard. idea I can't imagine how hard it is to right. do this so that, that's the credit I'll give it is that and especially very difficult. make it look that good uh-huh. the way, I mean it looks really good you, know, you feel like you're in a movie yeah, that's and that's that was one of the big deals about um, what's it called about heavy rain, and that's why it was a big deal was that it was it was a 
a prestige title from PlayStation to show this is what our processors can do. Uh, and I think that's why David Cage has been given the clout that he's had to make make these games because they're very good uh, renderings and, and graphic graphically they're very uh, beautiful to watch. And so you get, that's the one benefit of it is that you get these cinematic type emotional story arcs that you wouldn't get in another game. What makes it a little difficult in terms of like thinking about the choices is that it's it's hard as a gamer who uh, is used to a very like um, like I can go like say you're comparing this to an MMO there's a lot of different quests that you can try to take mm-hmm. and because it's kind of a dichotomy because because it's so linear and there are some quests that mean a little bit less than the main one main story that you have to do um <clears throat> you only really get the two choices at least at this point in the game so in, in, in real life there might there might be any inf- infinite amount right. of things that you could do in this situation there's not really you know one choice or another um, but I do like that it seems like with these things it's not they do have multiple branched out consequences and you'll see that it's not just you know it's not just trying to paint like the every um, person in power is an incompetent tyrant that wants to, you know, rule over you. And the only way to solve this problem is for all the robots to disobey their masters right. and stuff. Yeah, um, so it doesn't seem like it's calling for an uprising. It's just each right. individual one is or, making a choice. Or at you some can point. you can make the you can make the the case maybe that it is, but that it's showing you. But these are the consequences right. that happen when you just. When you, maybe this early on in the thing, you just resort to violence right. in this or that situation. Um, so it, it definitely it's an, it's well written. Um, and John has been very nice about not always choosing the the violent option because there are certain characters <laughs> I wanted dead from the beginning, and I was yelling at him to beat them up, and he wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. So. Well, when when there's a you'll nice see if we ever if we ever live stream the both of us playing this game, you'll hear. <laughs> Oh yeah, so <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna do quick plugs because um, we're hoping to uh, do some streams of this in preparation for the live stream that we're gonna do June thirtieth. Um, we're setting up a charity event um, uh, for a local invitational game of uh, Arecibo, um, and it's gonna be in support of Puerto Rican disaster relief. Um, so you can donate at bit.ly slash um, RPG for Puerto Rico. Oh, you made a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it works, because I didn't think... Anyway, you yeah. can also go to podpledge.com slash Arecibo. That works as well. Oh, okay. Um, and there you can pay to be part of the Secret Council. Uh, and how many seats do we have left if you're in the Philadelphia the area? The Secret Council is open to however many. We only have one seat left at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to go to the merchandise section to find that. Yeah. But um, the Secret Council is open to whoever is able to get onto the Twitch stream and Discord chat on the day of. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're planning on doing that. But um, <clears throat> hopefully, if you follow me at uh, on Twitter, I'm John Matos, uh, writer at, uh, on Twitter. You can find out when we're, we're going to stream more of this, hopefully on Twitch, to uh, test out the uh, camera and um, different stuff like that. Uh, but also, because this is inspired by Total Biscuit and his vendetta against um, well, <laughs> unchallenging games. I um, think it is challenging. We can talk about 
uh, you can go to um, bowelcanceruk.org.uk uh, and donate there because uh, his wife has said to uh, donate there um, in support of um, cancer research. Um, we're going to miss you, John. Um, and he was really good um, at talking about the different stories and uh, things that come out of games and, and what makes a challenging game and um, what makes for good game practices. Heaven knows with things like Gamergate going on, we were all hoping that there would be some people in the gaming industry to latch on to as, you know, um, people that weren't out there looking for controversy and looking for, um, you know, tribalism during that time. And he was really good at that. Um, so support that if you can. Support us at, um, that for the Arecibo playthrough if you can. Um, and also uh, we have a Patreon now patreon.com slash think outside the box and uh, you can support this show and more um, art and more storytelling from us thanks for listening and uh, you can email uh, unboxing story podcast at gmail.com if you want to talk about this or uh, any of our upcoming episodes um, do you know what we're doing this coming week uh, I don't remember I think maybe um uh, Incredibles is coming out soon. That's We're hoping the next to see that. Week, though, oh no, wait. I think maybe next episode is um, the Ocean's Eight. Oh um, yes, yes. Because uh, we are fans of like heist stuff, and um, I think specifically we're going to talk about um, like she stole your heart. I think I'm going to call female it female versions of movies. Well, like I, I like the whole lovable um, criminal uh, thing. Oh okay, okay. And so we're going to get into that. Some fatales. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, we're going to do an episode on uh, the Incredibles and superheroes of a certain age. Um, if I can pull it up, I'll, I'll let you know more more episodes coming up. Um, then, uh, oh, eventually we're going to talk about Taylor Sheridan, um, who is a writer who did Sicario and is coming out with Sicario 2 soon, but also did um, Wind River. And also known as We Love Benicio del Toro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, he, he's he's a big reason why that movie was amazing. Um, but he did. He also did. Taylor Sheridan wrote Wind River, and he did um, the uh, what was it? There was another another lovable criminal duo. Um, I wanted to say Brokeback Mountain. That's not right. <laughs> No. Not the right movie. Oh, the Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Yes. Very good. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so we'll Different be talking about that. Movie. And then uh, eventually we're going to get into um, uh, YA dystopias and whatnot, but that's that's in August. So anyway, <laughs> if you want to talk about stories and any of our previous episodes or upcoming episodes, uh, don't hesitate to write in. This has been Unboxing Story. Bye-bye. Bye.